data privacy. Why, why is this something I should care about, know about, be aware about? Well, I mean, for starters, people are kind of waking up to privacy issues. Like for the longest time, there was this idea out there and the general population was just like, well, why do I need to hide my data? Like I've got nothing to hide. And it was almost like this, if you wanted to keep your data private, you were some kind of secret criminal and you should want everyone to have your data. Kind yeah. Of what are you hiding? Exactly. Um, but people are starting to realize like the amount of data that gets collected on you on a daily basis is terrifying. Yeah. Like I've gone to some extremes and like hooked up Wireshark and different technologies to kind of track what's going across my network and the stuff coming from my phones and I hooked up my Amazon Echo. It's freaking terrifying. Um, so a lot of people have that mentality of I've got nothing to hide. But really, data is pretty valuable. Mm -hmm. Like, think about it. Google and Facebook are two of the largest companies on the planet. They make butt-tons of money. How, does, how do they make most of their money? Off your data. Right. So, like, obviously, there's an intrinsic value <clears throat> there. Um, well, people joke about social media apps listening to you all the time, right? Yeah. But, like... You know, if you're targeted well with ads, sometimes it's nice. It helps you actually, like we could talk about wanting a product and then, you know, later that day it pops up on our social feeds. <clears throat> yeah. And like, you know, sure, that could be nice if that's what you're looking for. Um, and some people really like that. But you also got to consider the the other side of the coin there. Like, yes, it's useful for targeting ads and marketing products that are directly related to you. And maybe I don't want ads showing up about, you know, liver disease or retirement homes. Like I don't care, mm -hmm. but having that level of information on somebody can also be used for a lot of really bad things. Like one trend that has been happening the past few years is this thing called doxing. And a lot of people are familiar with it, but, the basic idea is you get somebody's information, somebody off the internet or whatever, you get their personal information, their home address, and people go and like physically attack these people. They destroy their property um, off of something you posted on Reddit that someone didn't like and they mm -hmm. hunted you down. It can be a really, really bad thing. And the way that a lot of people get that information is from this data that gets collected from seemingly innocuous sources. Um, for example, like, have you ever rented a car? Yes. And hooked your phone up to the Bluetooth? Probably. Okay. But I feel like in the last couple of years, I've, I get paranoid about this. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> that was a leading question, Jacob. Just work with it. <laughs> um, there are actually companies out there that will get rental cars after somebody has rented them and they will go into the car's computer system and they will harvest the data from the Bluetooth that was connected. Like when you disconnect your phone and you say, Hey, forget my phone. It doesn't, which most people don't even bother to do. It doesn't just forget your phone. It just delists it. The, a lot of the data that went between your phone and the car, like your contacts, for example, is still hanging out there. Mm. And so they'll go and harvest the data and then turn around and sell it to data-driven companies like Google 
or Facebook or Amazon. Um, and they make a lot of money doing that. Um, there's also the idea of, like, we kind of touched on it. It's, it, I like to call it predatory marketing because there is a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm not going to lie. My wife buys a lot of stuff on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's not even stuff that we need. It's straight up, hey, I got targeted with this really big ad. And here's something that I never would have considered buying. But I need it. <laughs> but I need it. Yeah. And that's like, that's what has caused Amazon to become such a big company is they use that predatory marketing and they hone in on something that is going to be really hard for you to resist. And they shove it in your face and say, hey, this is on sale. <laughs> 10 bucks off like you know and so even the, even that innocuous hey we're just gathering data for targeted ads can be a really bad thing um and like in my opinion data is a super private asset like it is something that you have that has value and it's not so much about what you're what you're hiding like that mentality of well what do you have to hide as much as what you should be protecting. Right. You're being analyzed off your behaviors to a degree where uh, a lot of these companies might know your behaviors better than you do. Oh, for sure. Like You're not even aware of what you're doing, just like your search criteria, how you browse a social media app. Yeah, and it's crazy. And like not to go off the deep end or anything, but the way that Google works with its data is it's not like there's one piece of information that says, oh, we got him. Basically, it's like a giant spider web of mm-hmm. data. And you have all these different data points of this person was here at this time. And I'm trying to remember exactly what had happened, but I think it was over in, it was either California or Arizona, like three or four years ago this dude got falsely imprisoned like they got the wrong guy because the police were investigating a crime i'm i'm trying to remember if it was a robbery or a murder but they were investigating it they got google's data on what phones were in the area at the time of the event Mm -hmm. and they saw a dude with a criminal history was in the area and they went and picked him up and said that's our guy and it turned out it wasn't him but just based on his location off of his phone he got arrested yeah like you know it's it's this giant web of data that exists that they can go and grab different points from and make connections from geolocation uh even cameras snatching your license plate as you drive right yeah i mean cars track you as it is but um dash cams on like um police vehicles and stuff Mm -hmm. constantly going through a database yeah scanning things as they're just driving on the road and so they've got literally hundreds if not thousands of data points on you on a given day and they can use that to group you into whatever groups they want to figure out your behaviors figure out your patterns i mean google knows oddly enough how many times i go to taco bell a week like Mm -hmm. that's there's all kinds of data that they can use to track you 
And more importantly, um, depending on libraries that you're using for your app, which is kind of the, the focus of this podcast, um, they can track your users. Mm-hmm. And so like you got to extend that same mentality to your users. Yeah. So I feel like as a product owner, this responsibility falls on you. So if you're building an app, obviously these tools are incredibly powerful because you want to be able to target your potential customers. Oh, for sure. They're your, a marketer's wet dream. Right. Like, that's So like, but I also think it's our responsibility to start being aware of what we're doing and allowing of these huge data collecting companies to get away with, right? Oh, for sure. They hand out these amazing free tools for everyone to use. You know, you got Google Analytics, uh, Fabric, um, Pixel, whatever. Like you get all these awesome graphs and dashboards and you, mm-hmm. you know so much about your demographic and you know how to target your users, right? The problem with that is you don't have control. They're letting you see and borrow part of the data, uh-huh. but you but don't have control where it's going. It's their data. So you're essentially just selling out all your customers yep. or your clients. There was a professor that I had that, and I know the quote is not original, but he brought it to our attention when we were talking about this kind of stuff in school, that with the internet, there is no such thing as free. There are only products. And if you're getting something for free, you're the product. Yeah, you're paying with something. Like, <laughs> and that's really what it is. Like those dashboards exist and they're not cheap to make. Um, these companies put a lot of money into market research, figuring out the best way to present the data, um, building out these tools. And why do they do that? It's out of the goodness of their hearts? No. No. It's because you're you employed. are you are essentially an employee to them. Mm-hmm. Like a this free is a, employee. Yep. This is a tool that they are letting you use that exists internally already so that you can go out and do the legwork for them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty smart. It is smart. It's super smart. And I think it's just gotten to a point where it's being abused. Yeah. I, I will never argument argue that it's not smart what's going on and what's happened yeah like because it it very much is i just from an ethical standpoint i think it's sketch so (laughs) us from the start with at least obviously with like hired gun apps um it's up to our clients yeah how they want to go about analytics and tracking usage in their tools um but from the very beginning with perfect form we we set you know this is a line that we will not cross. We don't collect user data from a standpoint of harming them, making money off them or any of it. Like we'll only collect things that help us make their experience better within our ecosystem. Yeah. And I mean, even then, like we, one of the boundaries that we set was, well, we need some kind of analytics. And what we went with was internal app driven. Hey, we're just sending a piece of, sanitized data out Mm -hmm. to our server directly we're not using any of these tools like google or facebook analytics um fabric we're just not using them because we know that that data is going to be abused and so we just say no no to all of it and we actually started building out a custom solution and then we kind of stumbled upon an open source project um called plausible and what's nice with that is a lot of people are involved in creating that 
product, right? Um, they offer a service where they can host it mm -hmm. and you get your analytics, but at that time you're still not in control of your data. So you have to trust plausible as a company, right? Yeah. But the nice thing is you can also spin it up on your own personal servers. You keep the database, you know, everything that's being collected. So that's the route we decided we want to be in control of our analytic data. We don't want it just going out to any corporation that is collecting it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so something like plausible is totally an option. What other options do we have? Um, so there's a thing called differential privacy, right? Mm -hmm. And Europe surprisingly has been, uh, <laughs> oddly enough, <laughs> has been a, a big part of like leading this movement of online data privacy. So they've kind of forced these bigger companies, um, that if they're collecting data, it has to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. They can't have user information that can identify people attached to analytic data. Yeah. And really that's, I mean, to me, that's the best of both worlds. Right. Like, I don't see why I, I mean, I guess I know why deep in my heart, but I don't understand why this hasn't been the mainstream idea because like, if your goal is to collect general data on, Hey, what are my users doing? Mm -hmm. Like in games, we use something called a heat map. Um, and I, I mean, they are technically usable kind of in normal apps too, but the heat map is basically just a map of where users go in your level. And what it helps you do is when you're doing level design, if you've laid out this giant area and you've got like side quests over here, secret things over here, you can watch where users are going and it generates, um, it's almost like a thermal image, which is why it's called a heat map, of where people go in the level. And if you're noticing literally nobody is going over here to this secret thing over here, you can work to make that more obvious and help guide them to that. Mm -hmm. You can also see like what areas are popular, what users are actually, what players are actually doing within the game. Um, but all of that data, it doesn't matter who went to that area. It doesn't matter which player is or isn't going to mm -hmm. what areas. It's just a general, hey, this is what's going on. Like, how is my software being used? Yeah, exactly. And that's all you care about. And you don't need any personal data for that. Yep. It's just where are the users going? Yeah. So using these free tools like Google Analytics, Fabric, and Pixel can be used well, right? But you mm -hmm. have to be careful of what you're submitting. Yeah. Like you're in control of the user object that goes to any of these collecting sources for the most part. Yeah, for of. the most part. Minus like you can't control IP addresses and like a well, lot of like and like things collected. If you set up Pixel on your site, it's like a flat out, hey, they went to this site and we know exactly which Facebook user right. is but on your site. That's like, because their 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 wide grasp is just uh -huh. so infiltrated in the web. So yeah, yeah, you need to be aware of things like that. Um, uh, and then another good, it's not really an option. It should just be something you do. Like any um, user information that we consider sensitive, mm -hmm. it's encrypted, right? So if someone ever hacks our database or gets a hold of our data somehow um it's encrypted yeah like encryption is a pretty important part of all of this because 
it protects everybody. Like, obviously, passwords and that kind of stuff should always be encrypted. And you always hear I've the seen, random stories oh my of gosh. the plain password so storage. so many stories of we just saved the password as plain text yep. and somebody hacked our database. Like, If you guys have a product and your passwords are in plain text, please stop it. <laughs> it should just, be a hashed that's, encrypted password. That's something you need to fix, like... Like today, we don't know any of our users' passwords. Nope. We can look at a hashed version of it, but it means nothing to the. It's not like we can copy and paste that right. and put it into the input field and exactly. get into their account. Like we have no, and that's kind of. We'll go way more into this later. Yeah, it's a subject, and <laughs> it's it's a lot of subjects. But yeah. <laughs> um, basically, the difference between encrypting and hashing is encryption you can undo mm-hmm. like you can decrypt it given the right keys um and it's just a safe way of passing data across the internet and storing data so that if somebody gets that raw data they have no idea what this means like it's it's a bunch of garbage mm-hmm. um hashing you cannot undo yep. like people are still trying to crack sha3 and <sighs> That is useful for things like passwords where you don't really need to know the data ever. Mm -hmm. You just want to verify like the user is putting in the same thing they put in before. Yeah. So if you always hash it the same way, you don't know their password, but the hash always matches. You end up with the same result. Yes. (laughs) But you don't know what the, or like what that originated. Yeah. You don't know how they generated the hash essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, encryption is super important and really you should be treating any data that you store like we encrypt pretty much everything. Yeah. Because anything can be sensitive data, like even a phone number. Yeah. You exactly. Know? You ever wondered how spam bots are getting everybody's phone numbers? This is this is how. Yeah. Like nobody encrypts that. They think, eh, well, who cares? It's just a phone number. Right. And you can generate a database of, hey, here are a whole bunch of phone numbers of users of this app like especially with these tools like google and facebook um one of the problems is they're not just making money off of the marketing to you they're also making money selling your data yeah like they package it up and sell it to whoever's willing to pay the price which i'm okay with that i just want the data collection to be a more ethical manner Mm -hmm. right like if you choose to sell your data to someone, perfect. well, yeah, and that's that is the big point. Right, is I have never once received an email from Google saying, "Hey, we would like to sell your data to this company. Is that cool with you?" Right, like yep. they just they do it, and it's hidden in the user okay. in the user agreement, at which nobody ever reads. Well, like you said, if nothing's free on the internet, yeah, so they legally they're allowed to do it Mm -hmm. um for the most part that's (laughs) actually amazon's under fire right now they're being sued over amazon echo devices because people were like for years they were saying no we don't we're not listening to you we promise we only know when you say hey alexa other than that (sighs) it's it's sleeping and it's not gathering data which like from day one i'm sitting there like uh bull right you that process that's listening for things it's got a listener going all the time that's how when you say 
the magic words that I'm not going to activate everyone's. Yeah, I just did it. <laughs> Didn't uh, don't can't. So I've never owned one because uh, I've always been paranoid. Mm-hmm. I just don't like that shit plugged in around my house. I mean, I don't even like having a smart TV, but you gotta like have balance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, can't you even like spy on your own devices? Uh-huh. Like where people don't even know that you're just creeping oh, yeah. in the room. If mine were plugged in right now, like I have these devices, but when I'm not actively using them, they sit, they sit there unplugged. Yeah. Um, but you can totally just drop in, I think is what it's called, but you can go into the Alexa app and then just drop in on whatever device and listen in on what's going on. And the problem is you're not the only one with access to that. Um, And that's why, like, there's age-old jokes about IT professionals and their smart homes. They don't have them. Like, the most advanced piece of technology I own is a toaster from 1957. (laughs) Like, Yeah. And that's because these things are incredibly dangerous. But Amazon is under fire right now because after saying that, you know, we're not listening to you. We promise um, a group of computer science guys went ahead and ran a bunch of tests and they had conversations in the room, recorded everything separately from their Amazon device on things they never talk about, fresh user data. And by that afternoon, they were getting suggestions for all of this stuff and they went and documented it and absolutely disproved what Amazon was saying of, well, we're not listening to you unless you, you call out for the device. Like Mm -hmm. they totally are. Your phone is listening all the time. And this isn't like conspiracy nut job stuff. This is a documented fact. Mm -hmm. They're, they're tracking you all of the time. And that's going back to that giant web of data I was talking about. That's they're collecting, they're collecting points of data all of the time that can give them an overall picture. Mm-hmm. And like one of the one of the big problems with that is um, if somebody comes after me and says I want Ben's data, there's a good chance they're going to get it. Right. Um, so kind of bringing the conversation back to why we care about this as product owners and app developers and all that stuff. Like what kind of stuff happens when people find out that you're being sketched with their data? You lose trust. You could lose. I mean, your product could be done overnight, right? If yeah. you, um, if you're not one of these giant companies that always get busted for being a little sketch with your data yeah like for whatever reason they're immune right mm-hmm. i don't understand it but if you're a startup and you get caught doing sketchy things you lose your user trust like imagine if tiktok wasn't as popular as it was when I, the truth came out i right. honestly don't get it um so with tiktok and actually numerous other apps they probably have changed their ways but like that whole clipboard well, thing where they were key logging <laughs> one of the few things i'll give props to apple for is when they made that update, a lot of major apps suddenly had a big update. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they didn't want anybody finding out what happened. Yeah. So like I said, what two years ago now? Yeah. So the clipboard thing, it was essentially apps were able to keylog everything you typed in your phone. So if they're uh-huh. running in the background, 
they were keylogging. Yep. And TikTok got the brunt of that. Yeah. But there were all kinds of other major apps that were doing the exact same thing. Yep. So pretty much every social media app was doing it. And mm-hmm. then Apple, which I do give them props because they do seem to care about privacy every once in a while. Or at least they put on the facade of caring. Well, I think it's more of like a, we respect your privacy. But we want to control it. everyone else. Yes, <laughs> like, fair. They want to control it. We won't let anyone else steal your data. They're like, hey, whoa, whoa, you have to pay the gatekeeper. <laughs> Um, so they ended up like implementing like notifications. So you knew when copy and paste were being used. Yeah. And as soon as that's in the user's face, like it's, it's just proof of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. The moment that it popped up and users were made aware of, Hey, they're copying my keyboard. What the heck? Yeah. Like suddenly this app's horrible. Nobody should be using this. We're going to boycott until this is fixed. Like, And then people seem to forget, though, very quickly. Yeah. Well, that's that's a byproduct of our society and all that stuff. Attention span is ridiculously low. And, like, all it takes is, hey, here's a major update with a fun new feature. Yeah. <laughs> We've added stickers to chat. Oh, well, in that case. <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, honestly, when it comes down to it, just, like, Be aware of how you're collecting your user data. Care a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, Like we've decided we're hosting our own analytics server. And one thing that I find incredibly hilarious is there's a lot of open source projects out there. Docker is very popular, right? Because it's easy to spin up. It's basically a virtual server. Yeah. In a server. So you can have multiple Docker instances. Um, It's just... DevOps stuff, it's easier to use. Um, Well, Postgres has images, and I don't know how far back it goes, but they got infected with nasty code. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the Docker image for Postgres, and we (laughs) we use Postgres, but luckily we also run, we monitor our servers, so we caught this problem very quickly. I mean, we got the email saying, hey, your usage is high. And we both were like, um, excuse me. <laughs> we spun up. We It was literally like day two of building perfect form. We had our dev server up. And then all of a sudden, our server is over 80% capacity. Mm-hmm. Just spinning on freaking jet fuel. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And so I started digging into it, found a bunch of articles. Sure enough, the SQL image. And it hasn't been found or figured out. But if you use I just the... want to point out real quick, for historical sake, hmm. in a previous episode, you screamed at me for using the word sequel. Dang it! Did I just say sequel? You sure did. Damn. Gotcha. Damn it. <laughs> All right. We need to start adding the explicit it's called, tag. It's called karma, I guess. <laughs> so, well, well, now you got me off my awesome rant. Um. Oh, yeah. So there was a Trojan basically put into the 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 uh, Postgres image. If you use so many people do this and it's such bad practice. And the only reason we discovered it is because it was literally just our dev server and I didn't get around to changing it. But if you use the default username and default password for the database, so databases need a password to be accessed, to be written to and read from. And then you also have like auth 
auth tokens and mm -hmm. security on your server and access to your server. So you have multiple layers of security. So a lot of people feel like they're safe using the default database password. Uh -huh. Like why change it? It's already set up and works. Well, this Trojan spins up a crypto mining thing. And it, so it basically steals I mean, your resources. You pay for it and someone else is making money. Honestly, I'm first, I'm, First and foremost, I'm amazed that this made it into production. Production, like I don't know how anybody didn't catch this, unless unless Postgres is just looking for funding. Maybe, like, right. maybe it's them. Who knows? But what's more amazing to me is how long it took if it's been fixed, because I don't know if it has. It hasn't, as far and as I can tell. This is really smart. It is <laughs> like. Again, the same idea with the whole data well, and analytics stuff. Like, they're not that smart. That's true. Because they shouldn't if max I out was, my server. <laughs> not that, not that I ever dabble in any of the dark arts. But if it were me and I were setting this up, I would probably cap it at like twenty or thirty percent. Yeah, no one would ever like, know. You know, you t turn it up to eighty percent or whatever they were using, and immediately you get warning emails. You get all that stuff. If you kept it down to 20 or 30%, then everyone's just like, huh, well, that's a little weird. That's weird. But I feel like it's just always been like that. Man, that's... <laughs> Postgres is a lot more bloaty than I thought it was. Oh, well. It's almost like, um, like when actions first hit GitHub, uh -huh. weren't people in, like infiltrating like uh, yeah. open source projects? And they were essentially spinning up the same concept on GitHub servers. Mm -hmm. And so GitHub's resources were paying out and just freaking mining a ton of crypto. <laughs> yep. um, so it's it's a common thing, but I'm always very shocked when I see like a pretty awesome open source project that um, hard codes uh, database default passwords and yeah, usernames throughout the code. Yeah, that should be in like secrets and stuff. Well, it should be but... an environment variable and well yeah they but should like be on, suggesting setting it up on github and on a whole bunch of services like aws they're called secrets and they keep them in like a completely separate section of the project yeah like you have to go specifically to it and they're like what app secrets would you like to set up but they're a set they're they are just environment variables right. and just, environment variables should never be in your repositories never that's, so you should have to manually place them in your project. You would be amazed how many projects I took I've taken over and like the first thing I go look at is the git history and they've got here's my .env file sitting in the repo with yeah. my database passwords, my my Linux password for admin access. Um here are all of my API keys for all of the stuff that's charging me money like There are two people that have access to those credentials in our companies. And two of them are dead. And <laughs> and they're sitting <laughs> at this table and that's it. Like our there's no reason for other developers or anyone to ever oh, know those credentials. Not. Like they don't they don't need any of that info. Especially on production level. Like development is a different story, but like yes, it's slightly annoying to have to pass that file around when we need it. But it's a security thing. Like mm -hmm. you're always balancing that security versus quality of life kind of thing. And in this case, 
someone can ruin your bank account and steal all your users' data really easy. So, yeah, like, let's pretend we didn't really understand what was going on and just thought we were maxing out a server that was just too small for our load, and we just boost it up and just feed this crypto miner. <laughs> right. Like, I'd be curious, actually, if we kept boosting it up, if it would ever, like, pull less resources. Oh, probably not. Like, <laughs> um, you just got some hackers on the other side going, well, <clears throat> these guys are idiots. Sweet. So... I guess with, with that side tangent, my only point is you can't just willy-nilly grab open source projects without understanding how they work. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's tedious and annoying, but you should be reviewing everything. Yeah, so I've been, like, plausible now. Um, it's We're spinning up our own server with it, right? Mm -hmm. And I forked it, and I'm rewriting um a big portion of it because of the Postgres issue. Yep. And we want to avoid that. And that's, it's just a risk using open source projects like that, that, you know, may not be vetted as well, but you also want to make sure that any solutions that you use like plausible or anything like it are pretty vetted um, to begin with, to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, nobody's having problems with user data being stolen or borrowed or whatever, check the terms of service. Because mm -hmm. um, it really is important. Like, I feel like this is a part of the whole process that everyone glosses over. And especially for product owners and people who aren't as technically inclined, when they hear, well, Facebook analytics, Google analytics, um, we can get all this data on users. Yes, it's an amazing tool, but you also have to respect the privacy of your users. And if anything goes sideways with that, if if you get too much data, if you start doing creepy stuff with your product, you're going to face some serious backlash For from sure. users. And At the end of the day, responsibility lands on the product owner, yeah. whether they're technical or not. Yep. And that's one of the reasons, like with our projects, we only take what we need. Yeah. And even then, it's sanitized, anonymized, like... We don't need to know who it was that did this thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to, like, I don't care that Ben Kimball is searching for ballet workouts on Perfect Form. I mean. But I do know that's his favorite way to go. You saw me the other day, didn't you? <laughs> um, but yeah, I should have bought that course. <laughs> it's, you care about how people use your software. Yeah. Not who uses your software. Yeah, exactly. Like there's no, there are very few reasons to be taking any specific data about a specific person. Yeah. So it's all about responsibility and ethics and don't be a creeper. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, at least between the two of us, we are, we have pretty strong opinions on how data is collected. Oh, I have strong opinions. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, in the, it might hurt us um, fiscally a little bit because we might not be able to target our clients, make as much money off of them. But at the end of the day, I'd much rather take the high ground and feel good about my product than feel like I'm like being a creep and stealing data I don't really need. Yeah. Like at any given opportunity, I will take the high ground. Yeah. But that's mostly so I can do Obi-Wan Kenobi impressions. <laughs> I mean, whatever your drive is, as long as you know you have good intentions. Silver Facebook. I have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Is there anything else? Oh, what you do take, though, you should have consent for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You should explain why you're collecting it and allow them to have the opportunity to not be part of it. Yeah, I I like to take the opt-in approach. Mm -hmm. Like most services and Google and Facebook and all of them, most fang companies will take the opt out approach where you have to take an option you have to take an action sorry to go and opt out of it like by default you're in it if you never go check your settings then they're going to be taking all of your data all the time it's Mm -hmm. in the terms of service so who cares yeah um personally i prefer to take the opt in approach where like you can reward users in some way for allowing you to perform analytics and all that stuff you still want to keep all their data private and encrypted and anonymized and all that stuff. Yeah. But they have to take an opt, take an action to opt in. Um, and really, I think that's kind of a, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'm blanking it for some reason. But a few years ago over in Europe, they passed a law with cookies and that kind of stuff with websites and personal data where you had to make people absolutely aware in your face we are collecting data on you is it okay Mm -hmm. and without them explicitly saying here's my consent you can't collect that data well and before that moment um i I need to google i don't remember what it's called either but deleting accounts Mm -hmm. was not a thing yeah it's so there's a thing in the software world and i don't know if i necessarily agree with it for um, non-infrastructure data, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, but it's called soft deletion. Yep. And essentially what it means is when things get deleted, they're, they're just filtered. Yeah. They actually never leave the database. So when you go and delete your Facebook and, you know, you're within the, I, it's either 30 or 45 days period where I deleted my Facebook, but I'm jonesing for some dirt on my neighbor. And you go back in and sign back in and suddenly all of your stuff is back. That's because you were soft deleted, not hard deleted. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a Boolean true or false flag inside of your data that gets flipped saying they're quote unquote deleted. Right. So like with perfect form, at least like we set things up where um, with user controlled data. So like. Anytime like a user buys like a workout, right? Mm-hmm. That coach could essentially leave, delete their account. Um, but any data that's like already promised and bought, mm-hmm. obviously we we do our soft delete. So we no longer sell it to new users. But if a user already owns it, we actually can't remove that stuff. Well, yeah, because it's not fair. Because to it's that owned user. for life, like. essentially. Um but then all the private information, like if that coach does delete their account after a grace period, um, it gets fully removed. It's, yep. it's a hard delete. So there are um, circumstances for soft deletion, like with infrastructure, like you can't just break your app experience for users because of mm-hmm. a deletion. Well, and if my daughter is sitting on my computer and somehow gets to my account info and presses the big red delete button, mm-hmm. like yeah you know oops um but the problem is most companies take that soft delete and that's it 
that's it. They mm-hmm. never actually remove your data. They just hang out. Right. Like, you could have deleted your account years ago and it's still just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I feel like it's just a conversation that's surfacing as of recently. Mm-hmm. But it used to kind of be like it, it's bad practice to actually hard delete. Yeah. And that's that comes from like a database admin side of things of with that same situation, you know, customer accidentally deleted their account Mm -hmm. and now it's gone forever. And so it just became this idea of, well, let's just hold on to it in case it was a mistake. And in case the customer wants that back, blah, blah, blah. It's easier to debug, easier to fix. Um, But that's kind of where the buck stopped was let's just soft delete. And call it a day. And it's funny because I remember when I first started like interacting with databases, you're kind of like, usually you're like, I was in a position of being mentored, right? Mm -hmm. So I had someone who knew more than me kind of just tell me it was bad practice. And like before you're at a point where you can start researching and actually understanding how things work, you just kind of like... It, I could have very easily just kept that ideology. Yeah. And told the next person. Kind of like this bias idea of... mm -hmm. Well, but I remember years ago, somebody told me yeah, that you never actually delete anything and that's bad practice. Yeah. So all of these people on the internet saying you need to hard delete stuff eventually are idiots. Yeah. Like, they, and it's, it's actually a pretty common. We might be called idiots for even having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you feel like I'm an idiot, then I mean, first off, you're probably right. But <laughs> second off, screw you. <laughs> um, yeah. So... I don't know. I feel like our obsession with data privacy just has taken us to a little deeper than most people. And I think it's just something to be educated about. Even if it's at a macro level, you need to know what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's, that's most of the problem is that people that are using these tools just see them as, Hey, this is a cool thing that'll help my business. Yeah. And that's all they know. Yep. And like that consideration of the other side of things never even crosses their mind. It's just, here's a great tool to help boost my business. Yep. Yeah. So I think with that being said, um, just consider your user data like it's bank info. Like it is, it's valuable and it's very valuable to you as a business owner or a product owner, whatever you're doing, just be responsible with it. Yeah, for sure.